Well, it would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk than why you did. First law of public speaking, nice guys finish fast. And uh, maybe you're hoping that for me today. When all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done. One of my personal favorites, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Blessed are they who have nothing to say and who cannot be persuaded to say it. Our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, he once said, if you don't say anything, you won't be called on to repeat it. He also said, I have never been hurt by anything I didn't say. Great wisdom. Someone once said, the difference between a successful career and a mediocre one sometimes consists of leaving about four or five things a day unsaid. So true. And today James is, is going to once again remind all of us uh, as we dig into his letter why we should be careful of what, when, and how we say things. How we speak. And James is he's going to masterfully weave in these illustrations for us so we can understand it plain and simple. He, he, he's they're, they're just not for uh, metaphorical reasons, but they're to bring great clarity so we can see the picture, even in 2017. And as I worked through these verses this week, I felt like there was an abundant amount of opportunities for me to sin with my mouth. It's just unbelievable of how God teaches me through my own life as I'm prepping for a sermon. Uh, there was a situation uh, that, that happened throughout the week that uh, from an acquaintance, nothing to do with the church, but it, it got, we'll call it intense via text and email. And I had a decision to make. I could show my strength and my power and leadership by responding with bold and, and heavy words. Or, as thankfully I did, I sought the Holy Spirit's help. And I responded with the simple words of, I wish not to have this conversation I'd be happy to talk about it at some other point, but at this point, I'm going to say something that I might regret. I made my point without saying anything really at all. It wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit, because Phil Chapman wanted to respond in harsh ways. And that happens way too often. You know, in that, in that situation... I felt like God's timing was spot on in moving me. I, I always say uh, God is rarely early, but never late. 
His timing is perfect, right? Not only did this scripture remind me uh, as an everyday individual that I need to be cautious about my speech and about my words, uh, but it, it, it took a baseball bat and hit me across the head on what I do from the pulpit each week and on, on my carefulness of teaching God's word as I bring forth his word. And I'm thankful, very humbled, that, that this is one of my responsibilities. In a couple weeks, a few weeks, almost a month, a good friend of mine, Josh Oren, a new elder over at uh, the Sugar Grove campus, He's been going through some biblical studies uh, program, and he's just finished. He, he meets with us pastors every week, almost every single week. He, he comes into the pastor meeting. He's been doing that for several months. And uh, I've asked him to bring forth God's word here at Indian Creek. He has had the opportunity to, to break God's word in front of uh, children, teenagers, and share the message, but to bring it forth amongst peers, fellow adults who are wanting to serve the Lord, that's some pressure. And he's feeling it. He just mentioned to me one little thing. You know, if, if someone ever asked me to preach, I, I don't think I could turn them down because I've been studying and preparing. I said, oh, great. How about March? Whatever. <laughs> he wasn't trying to get an opportunity. I, I, I will be here for that. And so I'm going to coach them along in the process and help them along. But the intensity of that has humbled him. And, and, and has made a situation where he is now ready to preach because he is humbled. And that's, that's what the Lord has just really uh, nailed me on. So we're going to go to the Word together. We're going to go to the Epistle, James chapter 3. If you're using a Bible from the pew, it's on page 1012. That's where you'll find the passage. James chapter 3, we're going to do uh, verses 1 through 12. If you'd stand with me uh, as I read these verses. James 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Verse 7. 
For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can be tamed, can tame the, tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Heavenly Father, bless our time. May you be honored in all that's said, all that's written, and all that's thought. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I told you last week that James, he doesn't beat around the bush. He says it the way it is, and, and today he's going to tell us right away that the tongue is powerful. The tongue is, is a powerful tool. And even though it's tiny, even though it's such a small structure in our body, the tongue controls the entire body. It has tremendous amount of control. In fact, I, I don't, my goal is not to waste words. I don't try to come up here and, and just add words to things and, and share words just to share them. So I'll tell you that the, 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 the tongue, it controls, it navigates, it pilots, and it, and it blazes. That's, that's what our tongue does. James reminds teachers like, like himself, like me, to be very careful. He cautions people, as I said earlier, maybe, not to maybe just not the, to accept the role of being a teacher at all. Because the biggest issue that he says is that we're, we all stumble. We all stumble? I think that's a little bit bold. I'm going to take a quick poll here. Anyone here that has never stumbled with their words, can you just stand real quick? Male or female alike, it doesn't matter. See, we, we all have stumbled. We all have, have messed up with our words. And if we do stumble, we teachers of his message will be judged with a much greater strictness. The King James actually says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That's scary. It's humbling. But we, we address that in the opening. But how, is our, how does our tongue actually control our body? How does, how does this little thing in our mouth actually control us? Scripture is full of verses, and, and it reminds us of, of what kind of control this crazy little thing called our tongue is. It, it's our greatest and our worst asset at the same time. Usually you could say that about, about people with their, uh, they'll have some sort of uh, quality or, or, or 
personality trait and, and it could serve them as their greatest trait and at the same time it serves them as their worst trait. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I often remind my children this truth that if they are being disciplined, don't talk back. Because that's just going to add to the situation. Humble yourself at that moment. Listen and don't respond. Again, I, I go to my example of this week. I could have responded in, in such a not appropriate way. But I chose to slow down. I am not saying it was because of me. It was truly the Holy Spirit stopped me. It, it was truly timing of my reading of Scripture. Ephesians 4.29 says, no, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Likewise, Matthew 15.11 says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, going into my junior year of high school, the, the one thing that he um, demonstrated in my life that really changed, not a lot of stuff changed. I didn't start going to church and learning God's word. I, I, I didn't do that, but, but it, when Janae gave, uh, shared the gospel with me, in my life, uh, I, I, I bowed down at my house at 108 East uh, Taylor Street in Newark. The one thing that happened is he plucked out swearing profanity from my mouth. It, it was so strange. My, my language just changed like that. I didn't try to do it. I didn't do it because I, I was still doing other crazy things. But that was, that was like almost like God saying, hey, here's your sign that you have given your life to, to me as a very, very immature young believer. He pulled out the swearing in my mouth and, and that started transforming all kinds of things in my life. I remember a good friend of mine, Johnny Wayne, who, who's since passed away from cancer. I, we were at the McDonald's drive-thru, and, and I used the Lord's name in vain. This was after I'd committed my life to Christ. And he looked at me like, like I just dropped some horrible word in my mind. And, and I'm like, What? He said, you know, that's, that's the worst thing you could ever do. That, that is more uh, profanity than anything else. And I didn't understand. But it's the, the words that come out of my mouth. It, it was defiling me. It, it was changing who I was because it was coming from my heart. When we start speaking, especially with harsh words, we're not only harming the, our, us as an individual 
but we're also harming the indi other individual that we're talking to. We're, it, it's, it's going both directions. Psalm 39 is a psalm of David. He says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. The sin coming from the tongue, coming from the mouth, our little tiny tongue, it does more damage than any other part of our body. As one writer wrote, listen to this quote, the most dangerous weapon and the most toxic pollutant on earth is left unchecked, the human tongue. What we need is tongue control because the tongue or our words can do more damage than any weapon that has ever been built. Behind every weapon ever used is rhetoric. Persuasion is what brings certain events about. So James then starts weaving in these illustrations, top-notch, beautiful illustrations for us to understand and, and, be, and, and uh, to gain clarity in what he's saying. The first one is a horse. Have you ever ridden a horse? Who here has ridden a horse? Raise your hand. Decent amount. You know, I get, getting on a horse and, and riding uh, on trails, I remember the first time I, I ever really did a, uh, ride a large horse, and uh, it was in high school, and I was with a, a group of people, and, and it was like an after-prom event the next day, and, and we're going on these trails, and, and I mean, there's these steep hills that we got to climb up, and that was scary. And as we're going up, it then is turning on the hill. But all I had to do was just move over a little bit, and inside the mouth of the horse, he knew that as I was moving him that way, he's going to move over. And I, I full control. Absolutely amazing. Because when you control your tongue, you're able to, to control all kinds of things. And when you're able to control a horse, you can get him to do almost anything you want. You can get him to pull stuff. You can get him to go fast or, or go slow or even backwards. Turn right or left. Absolutely amazing. You know, because if a horse isn't being controlled that way, it's not much use for us, is it? It's just a beautiful horse. It's a pet. But when a horse is controlled and, and when his mouth is controlled and when the bit is controlling his tongue and, and eventually controlling his whole body, all of a sudden we've got a, a major useful companion, one that could take us from the East Coast to the West Coast, one that could help us plow, one that could... Uh, move other animals through cages and, and, and can uh, take us into battle. In fact, a horse will be what Jesus is riding. Interesting thought. But a person doesn't have control of the tongue, it's not much value. Along with the horse illustration, James has the ship illustration. And this is, this is interesting to see. My family and I, we went on a, what we call our favorite vacation of all time. 
a couple years ago, Sherry had, had earned a trip, uh, a vacation, and we went uh, to uh, Cozumel, Mexico. We went to the Bahamas and one other place, Allie, where's the other place? Cayman Islands. On a cruise ship, the Carnival Breeze. At the time, the Carnival Breeze was their largest ship, and it was enormous. Huge water slide on, on top, multiple pools, movie theater, um, a dozen restaurants. I mean, I, you, you can't even, a basketball court. The, the amount of stuff that this cruise ship had on it is, is unthinkable. The Titanic was just very tiny compared to the ships these days. And we had a, an unbelievable time. And as we would come into those ports, into Cozumel and, and the Cayman Islands and, and the Bahamas and, and then and back, at, uh, back at Miami, we had a window in our cabins. We had two cabins and, and we could see out the window. I mean, they were spot on. We never touched the dock. We never touched the dock as we came in. They controlled it perfectly and got it exactly as, as they needed to be. And they're controlling that with, with very small units. Nowadays, they use more jet-powered stuff uh, for these rudders, if you will. But in James' time, they, they, he was talking about control of, of these ships. And, and so when I was first reading this, I was thinking to myself, oh, these, these little boats that, that we see in the pictures, you know, the, the pictures that you see of, of the disciples throwing out the nets, and, and then they're bringing in the fish, and the fish are overflowing the boat. And then I got to thinking, what about Acts? Acts 27. And Acts 27 wasn't, wasn't a little canoe. I'm going to read it for you, starting in verse 33. You're welcome to turn there if you want, but Acts 27, 33, it says, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. He had a little communion. Then he broke it and he began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. You see, they, they were stranded. And they were measuring the, the water. And they're like, oh my goodness, it's, it's 100 feet now. And then they waited just a little bit longer and they measured again. It was 90 feet. So they were assuming that their boat was going to hit these rocks. And they dropped their four anchors. But listen to the next portion of this. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. 276. In fact, they had a lifeboat that they cut off. So it was a large enough vessel that, that it held 276 people, had lifeboat, had food, had, had different things on it. It was a big, big boat. But it was controlled by a small rudder. You know, a little thing that's, that's underwater on the, the back end of the boat and the, that the, the pilot will, will just turn a wheel or, or he's got a stick where, 
where he's moving that, depending on how big the ship is. And as the wind blows, he's controlling the direction of it. It's a little tiny thing. James is explaining that if you can control this little tiny thing, you'll be able to control the whole thing. You'll be able to pilot in and out of storms. What a great picture James is giving to us. That, that with our little thing, this little tongue, we could pilot in and out of storms by how we respond and how we speak or, or if we speak. You see, if, 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 if the pilot is, in a, is navigating, he's at the helm, and he's navigating the ship, and he just lets go during the storm, that boat's going to go all over the place. That boat's going to start crashing, going different directions because the rudder's going to be thrown in all different directions depending on where the waves are taking it. And that's the same thing with us. If we just let go, the, then, then it, we're just going to let our speech be flying out there. Instead, if we give, we, we say, Christ, we want you at the helm. We want you to control this. Now, all of a sudden, we're slow to speak. All of a sudden, we're very cautious on how we're responding to people. We're, we're cautious on our gossiping. And you know, that's probably one of the biggest things that, that is known in the church community is the gossip. Maybe I repeat this later on. This is a freebie in my notes. It, we, we do that. And a lot of times in the name of prayer, Hey, what's going on with Susie? I, I want to pray for her. Hey, did you hear what's happening with Susie? Maybe, maybe you should pray for her. We do little things, and it's actually creating a bigger storm. This is why in verse 5 it says, The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It boasts of great things. The tongue is so powerful, and the tongue knows it. The tongue is powerful. It's, it's, it's your greatest member, your greatest asset. And that's why you need to guard it, because it has so much power. It's your tongue that tears down relationships. It's your tongue that starts wars. It's your tongue that wreaks havoc on someone when it speaks evil. And at the very same time, it's your tongue that builds up. It's your tongue that creates common ground that allows for mending and strengthening of once divided people. It's your tongue that can speak and show love and kindness and communicate gentleness. Finally, James uses uh, an illustration about fire. About fire. Just a, a small flame and how that could start an entire forest fire. When I was a little kid, about Reggie's age, <coughs> my brother, we lived at 11238 Helmer Road in Newark. Big farm. We had a shed. We had a chicken house. We had a barn, uh, a crib, a garage, an exterior garage, and, and then we had our house. And my brother, Mike, who's the oldest, I'm number three, he said, hey, Phil, go get the matches. And I thought, okay. 
Mike knew everything. And so I ran inside, and we had an oven that was in the wall. And, and, and below the oven were two drawers. And I, I opened up the first drawer, then opened up the second drawer. And I stepped on the first drawer, stepped on the second. I mean, I literally could see myself doing it right now. Because I knew my dad, who was a chain smoker, that he had his huge box of matches uh, huge, you know, you know the box that I'm talking about that had individual packs in it, white, uh, you know, the white matches, and, uh, and, and uh, he had them up above there so kids couldn't reach them. So I climbed up there confidently, grabbed the entire box, ran back outside to the shed, and my brother starts lighting and burned his finger a couple times, I remember, and then he gets a little fire going in the shed. Just a little fire. And the three brothers, we were looking on in awe because we couldn't get a fire going like he could. But we're in the shed. And so Mike says, hey, go get some stuffed animals. And so we went and got stuffed animals and started throwing them in to this small little fire. And you know what happens when you start doing stuff like that. Man, that fire got big. And then it got scary because smoke is flying out. Glenn Borneman, who lived next door, called the fire department. My grandpa, who owned the farm, somehow got word. Probably Glenn called them, who farmed our property. And now panic happened because in there we had eight puppies in that shed. And we had a full fire blazing. Somehow, some way, they got out to Helmer, put the fire out before any major damage was done in the shed. The puppies all survived. So did we. I don't know what happened to my brother Mike. Probably nothing good. But it was just from a little tiny fire that started building on top of each other. You guys know the story that happened in 1871. October of 1871, it was estimated $200 million of damage was done. 300 people lost their lives. What was it? The Great Chicago Fire. Located on the property of Patrick and Catherine O'Leary at 137 DeCoven Street on the city's south side. Just a, a legend has it that, that the blaze was started, how? By a cow. The cow just tipped over the lantern. Started a little spark, and, and that just built on. You see, Chicago, by the way, uh, Mrs. O'Leary has denied that as the real story. But Chicago was, was vulnerable at the time. Not only were many of the buildings built out of wood, but so were the streets and the sidewalks. It was, it was just vulnerable, ready to go, just by a, a little tiny fire that started. 300 people's histories have changed, and, and their kids and their kids, and, and who knows, just by a little tiny flame. Proverbs 16, 27 says, 
A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. What is it like? A scorching fire. Basically, James is saying that the tongue is dangerous. The tongue is dangerous. It's dangerous for all of us. Back to verse 6 and on, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and be tamed by mankind, but no human, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. First, your words can smell like smoke from hell. Your words can smell like smoke from hell. What an interesting picture. What an interesting word picture that James gives us. When I was in fourth grade, so it was probably a year after the fire started by us, we woke up in the morning. My dad was working uh, the early shift, so he would leave about 4.30 to Commonwealth Edison. And we woke up in the morning before the school day to find our entire house full of black smoke. And so we rushed out. We were probably well trained that we were crawling out. I don't, I don't remember that. I do remember that we got out to the car. I think I was in my underwear. And, and we got out to the car, my three brothers and myself and my mom, and we sat there as the fire trucks came. I remember our bus driver pulled up while all these fire trucks are there, smoke flying everywhere, and he's honking the horn. We can see him, he can see us, like we're supposed to get on the bus. Well, what happened is our furnace uh, blew up, as they said. Just totally random. And a fire started, and, and again, apparently the firemen in Newark are unbelievable because they got there, and they put it out, and there was no major fire damage. But you know what kind of damage was done? Smoke. I was just out, out at 5B's yesterday during Josh's wedding and my my entire clothes smelled like smoke just for being out there just i mean i wasn't out there long was i i was out there for only five minutes probably at the most but our house we we would clean our house after the fact and it is like we wiped the wall and then all of a sudden the black stuff was back we eventually had to have a obviously a professional company come in and clean it but you know what was was worse than that was the smell of our clothes, was the smell of our furniture. Everything had to be thoroughly cleaned, and, and some of it just never stopped smelling. And that's what happens with our speech when it's spoken inappropriately. That's what happens. It spreads and it causes stains throughout your entire body, throughout your entire life. All the, the walks of your life, that's what happens. And it actually starts smelling like hell. That's the word that James is using here. He was actually referring to uh, 
the city dump. It, it's super interesting to think about now that I've experienced a city dump in, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The city dump is a place where many people live and eat from and get their, get their clothes, make their homes from. Well, the city dump that he's referring to was not only a place where, <coughs> where they threw all their garbage and, and anything else they wanted to. It was a place where they took the criminals after they'd been crucified or, or, or killed in some way, and they literally just threw their bodies in there. It's where Jesus was going to be thrown before he was purchased uh, to be buried appropriately. That would have made for an interesting story, huh? The resurrection of Jesus out of the city dump. He still would have done it. You see, they, they would start a fire in there, in the city dump, and it never went out. It was perpetual. It just kept going and going and going, and the smoke that would come from there was horrendous. Even the smoke that, that you get from grilling out, or, or I got from five bees yesterday, it's not like a, 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 a perfume, because smoke doesn't have a great scent to it. But you could imagine if it's human flesh. There's actually uh, one commentator that talked about uh, the picture he was trying to get here. If he had to go to deep clarity, was there was a place uh, where, where it was an outstretched arm of, of this God. And, and, and moms and dads would bring their firstborn babies to that God that was on fire, and they'd lay the little babies on the burning arms, and they'd burn to death on the, on the arms. And that was a way of, of showing that we will serve you. They were sacrificing, and that smell, you can't get that smell off of you. And that's, a, that's, a, that's why this is so tremendous that he's using this word picture is because he's saying, this is it. This is what happens when, when your speech is, is ripping apart people. It smells and it causes all kinds of odor. The next verse is interesting. James says, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed to mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Have you seen the circus? It's crazy. SeaWorld in Florida? Unbelievable what they do. Someone can actually train lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I knew you were thinking it. They, they, they train killer whales and dolphins. People train snakes to stand up on music. People train bugs to do certain things. Just about anything with a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. Animals, they can be tamed and trained. But he's saying, nope, not humans. The taming of your speech is useless for man. 
Scripture's clear that we can't do it, that we literally cannot do it. We're not able to. We try, but we can't. The wisest people, they've had trouble doing this. Isaiah, Isaiah stood before the Lord in, in Isaiah 6, and he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of what? Unclean lips. Isaiah, you see, when he stood before the Lord, he understood, my speech is horrendous. And I wonder if that's what I will do. Or if that's what you will do. When you stand before the Lord, you'll be like, so embarrassed because of your speech. You ever done that in, in front of somebody? You said something and then insert foot into mouth? Because you're like, why in the world did I say that? Why did I say that? You know, it's interesting that we were, were I, James was talking about words. But you know what else it is? I don't have my phone with me. It's texting. And it's Facebook posts. And, and it's Snapchats. It's all of these things that, that we are communicating with our words that are just ah, stabbing somebody. And then you turn it. We've got to be cautious. Are you saying, whoa, this is me? Maybe you're thinking of several things that you said or not said or or things that you have communicated. Woe is me. Job had the same issue. So did Moses and Paul. James obviously is clearly admitting it. He has an issue. He has trouble talking. You see, only God can help you. That's his whole point. James says, man can't do it, but God can. God can. Because if you keep talking, James knows that your sleepless chatter is often toxic. Your sleepless chatter. At the end of verse 8, he says, It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Why does the tongue keep going off? Why is it restless? Because it can't be tamed. You cannot cage your tongue. Romans 3.13 says, Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive the venom of asps is under their lips. Frankly, our tongue is like a hitman. It really is. It's seeking who it can shoot, who it can fire darts at, who it can, it, it can blow away. Many times to lift ourselves up. Many times to make ourselves feel better and stronger and, and more in power than the next person. Like a sniper in a fight, the tongue comes out of nowhere sometimes. And that's where maturity comes in. As you become more mature in Christ, your tongue is less of a sniper. Because you're much more cautious to, to share your opinion. To share your uh, things that you've heard around town. To talk about your, your one sister to your other sister or your one brother about your mom. Those are all things that you're doing with your tongue. I may be confessing things as I'm saying those. I think of our Lord Jesus Christ 
he was killed because of the tongues of men. Because of the rumors and the grievances and the gossip that these men did. That's how he was killed. That, that, that's the, the most holy one, the perfect man. He was called a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of outcasts, and a demon-possessed sinner. All because of words. This happened several times in Scripture, from Paul to John the Baptist, people just lashing out on others. Our tongue, our tongue is revealing. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You see, the Christian, we can throw out praise and we can pile on insults. <clears throat> if, if you go to James this time, you think of the Pharisees. They'd be praising God in the streets. Oh, great God, we love you. And the next minute, they're ripping into sinners. Calling for them to be stoned. I wonder if James was thinking about the story of, of Peter in this situation. Where Peter was praising his Lord and Savior and saying, I'll do anything for you. Anything. And then a day later, he's in a corner crying because a girl, a little girl is, is saying, wait a minute, aren't you with Jesus? No, I don't know him. One moment we're praising God. The next moment we're denying him. The next moment we're cursing him. The next moment we are speaking out against him. You and I, we do this too. We praise Jesus. Today, I've watched you praise Jesus Christ. Together, we have praised Jesus Christ. Maybe later, you're going to have a little conversation, even with your spouse, about that other person. You know, sometimes we do that. I'm just telling my spouse. That's okay. I could, I could tell them anything. But it's, it's about somebody else. It's tearing somebody else down. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had to reflect on, okay, why did I share that? Even with Sherry, I don't need to down anyone. Again, we shouldn't be doing this to lift ourselves up. If we have that much concern, go to the Lord about it. Seek the Lord and, and praise him quietly, humbly in your heart. James says, it's clearly, says it clearly here, whatever you are pouring out of your mouth exposes what is inside you. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. It becomes too obvious for other people who are standing there. You need help. You need help. Whatever is coming out of your mouth obviously is inside of you. That's what Paul's saying in these illustrations. So some final thoughts, some final talking points. I use talking there intentionally. You see, serving as a teacher of the word requires humbleness. Absolutely requires humbleness. And there's no getting around this. If, if you truly want to be effective at bringing forth God's word, 
in any moment of your life. You see, this isn't just a, and I think that's where I think gets confusing here, because James definitely was talking about preaching the word in an intentional way. But in his time, when James was preaching the word, anyone in the church could stand up at any time and share whatever God was moving in their hearts. So, so that means that you need to be ready to, to preach the gospel wherever you are. And, and so what that means is that you have to have a humble heart. Because you, when, when you're sharing the message of God, when you're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, you have to be able to do it in a, in a pure heart. Because guess what? You will be held accountable for that at a much higher level. When you are a proclaiming Christian, when you love Jesus Christ, you truly are now a preacher of the word. And you'll be held at a, at a higher level when you are giving forth that message. And when you're putting people down and when you're, when you're, when you're bringing people down and when you're, when you're harming the message of Christ, it's dangerous. That's why I say humbleness is so crucial. Because we have to be humble before our king. Yeah, I need to humble myself as I bring forth the message from the pulpit. How much more do I need to humble myself when I'm speaking to my children? But when, when I'm, I'm sharing with a loved one. Today, Matt Posey, none of you know Matt Posey, but Matt Posey posted on Sherry's on my wall that it has been about 20 years since our youth group, Basic. We started a youth group at our house, Brothers and Sisters in Christ, just like we did here. And we had all these kids in town come to our home. And all these kids, Matt Posey was one of them. And today Matt has three children, his wife Allison, and they are serving the Lord. And he was listening to some DC talk song that, that brought him back to, to being at our home. And you know what I think about and what I thought about based on his little message? You can look at it on my Facebook page. Was He commented in there, and I have loved watching you all of these years. I just think about what... what my, how my choices in life not only affect Sherry and me and my kids, but they affect all of those other kids that I have tried to minister to and to love and to share the gospel with. But if I'm not doing it humbly, if I'm out there boasting, how dangerous is that? We need to humble ourselves. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What's he say then? In verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You can't teach without your words most of the time. You do teach through your actions, but our Lord and Savior wanted us to talk. He wants us to talk. He wants us to share with our neighbors. He wants us to share with our family. Our teaching does come by our actions, but also comes from our 
mouths by the use of our tongue. So it's crucial to know that speaking the truth, speaking with truth and wisdom requires help from only one, only one, and that's God. You can't do it on your own. You are human. You are human. Scripture teaches us you can't. You cannot tame your tongue. You can't have wise speech or speak in truths without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I proved it this week in my responses. I could not do it, but when I begged God, he did it. Everyone has the capability of speaking kindly. No matter if you love Jesus Christ or not, you can for a time, but your heart will swell and the evil will come out and that's why you need Christ. Because your tongue was going to fire bullets. And once it fires a bullet, you can't get it back. And that's what we always say to our kids. Everything you say, you can't take back. Scientists once said, uh, and I don't know the validity of this, but your speech, when it goes out, it never dissipates completely. Those sound waves literally continuously go if you had a sophisticated enough instrument you can actually start grabbing sound waves from all different people in, in fact there was this uh, broadcast that went out and all of a sudden this guy in some other country listened to this entire broadcast that had gone out 12 years earlier he had no idea for some reason he was able to grab it because he called the station and, and found that out it's just amazing what our words can do. There was a man who had a problem. He was telling rumors to everybody. He, he was the guy at the cafe. You know the guy who, who says, oh, hey, did you hear about Herb? Hear what's going on with him and his wife? I think they're having issues. I, I, don't, know the, I don't know all the details, but I think they're having issues. And then the new guy comes in and, and he goes, hey, did you hear about Herb? And then that guy goes and tells his wife, ah, I think they're having issues, Herb and his wife. Well, finally it got around and, and finally Herb came and, and approached the man and, and said, hey, why are you spreading these rumors? My wife and I are doing awesome, actually. He goes, but now we've got some serious issues that we're dealing with because everybody is all over us and, and now she thinks things are going on with me. Well, the man, he felt guilty. So he came to his local pastor. And, and his pastor said, well, you do talk a lot. And he goes, I want to I repent. I want to take it back. I want to start new. And so, so the pastor said, go home and bring back a, a pillow full of feathers. And, and so they did. He went home, got the pillow, and brought it back. And, and, and he goes, all right come up with me just like just like we went last week we went up by the bell tower almost and they went up by the bell tower and, and he opened a window and he ripped open the pillow and he gave it to the man they said okay take this pillow now shake it all out so he did out the window and and the feathers went everywhere and the man didn't understand what was going on and and the pastor said now go collect all the feathers well, there was no chance he could do that, and he understood that. He goes, 
how am I supposed to do that? He goes, that's the same as, as what you're doing with your tongue. It's going everywhere, and there's no way to take it back. You can collect some. You can get some back, meaning r r fix it. But all of it is all over the place. The wind is blowing it from here to there. You know, the last part I want to say is to, to dads, to us men, because women, sometimes you have a little bit better control of your tongue. Sometimes not. But I, I think I want, to, I want to encourage us as men to think about what if you said these words to your spouse or to your kids, especially to your kids, your grandchildren. What if you said some of these, I'm proud of you. What if you said, way to go. You did it. Magnificent. I knew you could do it. What a good helper. You're very special to me. I trust you. You're a treasure. Great job. Beautiful work. You make my day. You're a pure joy. Give me a big hug. Man, you're such a good listener. You figured it out. I love you. I couldn't be prouder of you. You light up my day. I'm praying for you. You're wonderful. I'm behind you. You're so kind to your brother. You're so kind to your sister. You are God's special gift. I'm here for you. Not in a fake way, but in a genuine way, in a way that you find opportunities to say those to, to your spouse, to your kids, to your grandchildren, to those that are around you. Together, together, let's seek how our language, our speech, our words can be uplifting and encouraging, and then we can maybe, maybe, we can be part of expanding God's kingdom together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you teach us and strengthen us as we attempt to speak about you and about your love. May you be glorified in what we say. May you be glorified in what we don't say. But when we do speak, Lord, give us the words. Teach us each day. We love you. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>